a woman was trying on different dresses at the mall. She hit upon an outfit that she liked, but she was concerned it might make her look too big. Her faithful husband was shopping with her, so she tried it on and asked for his opinion. Does this dress make me look fat? The husband responded, no, honey, that dress doesn't make you look fat. It's your hips that make you look fat. We're thinking a little bit today about how we hear things. Sometimes we hear what we need to hear when people tell us directly, as the husband did. More often, we are open to hearing what we need to hear about ourselves when they're presented in an indirect manner. This is what Jesus knew, and this is why he taught with parables. Think back further, though, to the story of King David. In the Hebrew, book of, Hebrew Testament book of 2 Samuel, we read that King David had borrowed the wife of one of his military officers and gotten her pregnant. Now, there's lots more drama to the story, but part of the ending is that David didn't realize how badly he had behaved until the Lord sent the prophet Nathan to tell him a story. In the story, a rich man and a poor man lived in the same town. The rich man had many flocks. The poor man had but one lamb who he was like a daughter to him. And when someone came to visit the rich man, instead of preparing a meal with one of his own flocks, he took the poor man's lamb to prepare the meal for the visitor. When David heard the story, he got angry, saying the rich man deserved to die for being so unmerciful. And then David said, Nathan said to David, you are the man. And through that story then, David realized that Nathan had taken him in through the back door to help him understand something about himself he could not receive directly. Jesus is doing the same with the temple leadership in Matthew 21. He couldn't tell them they were wrong. They would not have received that. And as Linda told us in preparing us to hear the scripture, these religious authorities had been questioning Jesus' authority for what he had done at the temple earlier that day. And he's told them one parable already, and now he goes into another. And he takes them in through the back door by creating an allegory, which you heard. And so for simplicity, I'll translate the allegory. God is the landholder. The tradition-honoring religious leaders of Israel are the tenant farmers. When God sends prophets to share the wisdom about God, they are shunned or killed. So God sends, God sends more prophets, and the religious leaders do the same with them. And then God sends Jesus, expecting that surely they will respect the Son, but they kill him too. Andrew Purvis notes that embedded within this parable of rejection of deadly, sorry, within this parable of rejection of and deadly violence against the landowner's son 
is the reminder that the heart of faith is relationship with Jesus. The tenants did not seize and kill an idea, a principle, or a system of doctrine. They seized and killed the landowner's son. The gospel comes to us as a person. On World Communion Sunday, this person, Jesus, is our commonality. In this congregation, we have different political and religious views across the spectrum. We have different tastes in food, in music, and in people we like to hang around with. We have different hopes and dreams, and yet we have the commonality that we all seek to know Jesus better. We all want to live more like him. We have seen in Jesus a way of life that is fulfilling, that is strengthening, that is hopeful. And we have found that by emptying ourselves, we find more space to Jesus for Jesus to live and work in us, and for him to help us produce the nourishing and sustaining fruit of the kingdom. The Journey Sunday School class just finished reading and discussing the book, Five Practices of Fruitful Living. And in it, Robert Schneis, who's a United Methodist bishop, describes a time when he had gone into a store and there were no other customers, so he just spent the time in conversation with the cashier. And the cashier had been there a while, and he asked if they had a church that they attended, and he said no, that they've thought about looking for one, but they just hadn't gotten out to go visit any, didn't know where to start. And so then someone comes out from the stockroom, another employee comes out, and he's he recognizes the author of the book. He says, oh, you're the bishop. And he's been very active in the United Methodist Church and so recognized the bishop from his experiences there. And these two men had worked together for three years. But the employee who came out of the stockroom had never said anything to the other about his church, never invited him to church never had taken that step to reach out and care. He wasn't living fruitfully. Fruitful living is a matter of becoming good stewards of the good news. In Jesus' parable, the tenant farmers were not good stewards of the vineyards that they leased. They had done the work, and they had abundant fruit, but they wanted to keep it to themselves. And as they hoarded the fruit, the grapes shriveled into raisins, no longer fit for making wine. Their choice to kill the son of the landowner crushed their spirits as a hefty cornerstone or capstone of a building would crush anyone on whom it fell. And verse 45 says, When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they realized he was speaking about them. We have a choice, the same choice that these religious leaders had when we hear the stories. Is Jesus speaking about other people, people beyond these walls, 
people in the pew in front of me? Or is Jesus speaking about us? Will we hoard the good news so that it shrivels within us? In which case, according to the allegory, God redirects the good news to people who will live fruitfully. Or will we be good stewards of the gifts God has given to us already? Can we tithe our income, directing 10% of it to God's ministry through the church's budget? If not, can we add 1% to what we gave last year to begin working toward that? Can we devote adequate time and energy to prayer and devotional reading and worship so that our <clears throat> excuse me so that our hearts and minds will continue to become more Christ-like? In Sunday school we were talking today about transformation that our goal is transformation of ourselves. We can't transform anyone else. But people can be transformed because of what we do for in ourselves with Christ? Can we care enough about other people to open the conversation, to talk about spiritual issues, to talk about Jesus, the one who saved us from ourselves? As we read our church covenant later in the service, following communion, we'll be reminded that we are the workers in the vineyard. And we have a choice about what we do with the produce. Let us hear Jesus calling us to work with each other toward unity, toward justice, toward hope on this World Communion Sunday. Let us be willing stewards, as Patrick prayed in his prayer. May we pray. We offer ourselves to you, O God inviting you to reconcile us with you and with each other as we prepare to receive this communion. In Christ's name, amen.